This sermon is brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. As you listen, we hope that you enjoy it and that it helps you in your walk. Please visit our website in the information below and drop us a message. We would love to hear from you. Okay, so how many of you guys remember last semester, uh, me telling you guys the story about meeting Brian Welch and getting to minister with Brian Welch? How many of you guys remember that? Just a few of you guys? Okay, well, uh, for those of you guys that weren't here or don't remember, um, Brian Welch is a guitarist for Korn. Um, and last semester, Courtney and I got a chance to go down to Omaha, and we got a chance to minister with and for Brian Welch at their Korn concert in Omaha. It was a huge concert. It was a lot of fun. And uh, so Brian, after the um, concert was over, so you listen to me, I'm talking, talking about him in his first name as if I know him, like he's my best friend. Head, as his nickname is, Head. We got a chance to go and minister with, with Brian Welch after the show. And, uh, and then after we ministered, we got to hang out with him for a little bit. That opportunity was awesome, and it was, it was an amazing opportunity for us. But it wasn't necessarily the first time that I actually met Brian Welch. Um, I actually had an opportunity to meet him years before that at, our, at a uh, meet and greet. And at the meet and greet, there was only like five people that showed up because in the Christian world, nobody really knew who Brian Welch was. And so there was like five of us pastors that got a chance to visit with him. And we've got to visit with him for like half an hour. And so um, Brian Welch was huge in my life before I was a Christian um, because he was with Corn and he wasn't a Christian. And Corn was my favorite band back in the day. And so I know a lot about, about Brian Welch. Um, I know he was born in Bakersfield. That's the same town my mom was born in. Um, I know he got his start right off the bat with corn. Um, I know he went through drug and alcohol problems. I know that uh, he gave his life, life to Christ, and through Christ, um, he had redemption from uh, those drugs and alcohols. Christ took that drug and alcohol addiction away from him, and uh, he went solo, released a solo album. Um, he also started a new Christian band and then eventually ended back up with Korn so that he could minister to the, the audience that would come to Korn concerts. And so as much as I know about Brian Welch, I'm not like best friends with Brian Welch. I know a lot about Brian Welch. But if I went up to Brian on the streets and just ran up to him screaming, hey, what's up? He's not going to be like, hey, Tanner, how you doing, man? I missed you. You're so awesome. No, he'd probably set his bouncers on me, and I'd probably get tasered or something. It would be a great experience, though. It would be a fun story. Sermon notes. But Brian and Welch and me are not, like, best friends. I know a lot about Brian Welch, but I don't know Brian Welch. And so tonight, we're talking about devotion and our devotion to God. And one of the main things we're going to talk about is I'm wanting to warn you guys to not let your relationship with God be the same as my relationship with Brian, in which you know a lot about him, but you don't really know him. I want your relationship to, with Christ to be intimate. I want you to be truly devoted to Christ. I want you to, to, to grow in your devotion so much that your relationship with God is an actual friendhood. You're an actual best friends with God, not just somebody you know a lot about in a religion that you're stuck in and this kind of ritualistic pattern in which you study information about, about God, but you don't actually get to know him. And so the sermon tonight is kind of a warning, kind of a 
acts and, and steps that we can take in order to not um, let our relationship with God be that way. And then taking it a step further, I also want you to make sure that your relationship with those people who are here in Chi Alpha are not like the relationship that I have with Brian Welch, in which you guys might know a lot about each other, but you don't really actually know each other. Because in order for us to be devoted to God, we need to be devoted to each other as well. And so our relationship with each other has to be more in-depth than just a bunch of information we know about somebody. We have to be devoted to them as well, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially those closest to us within our ministry that we're involved in. Because I wonder sometimes about my own relationship with Christ, and and I seriously wonder how well I know Christ and how well I know God. You know, um, as Matt Chandler puts it, it's almost like being engaged to God. You have all of the burden and all of the bad stuff, but none of the good stuff about marriage. I don't want my relationship with Christ to be stuck in permanent engagement. You know, I want to be in an intimate relationship with God. I don't want to read a book about my wife. You know, I want to be with her. I want to be close to her. I don't want to read about her. I don't want to know all these, this information. I want to be intimate. And so we have a chance to be born again. We have a chance to truly get to know God because Jesus Christ, who came down, he died for us. We have a chance at redemption, which we can make be made clean, and we have an opportunity to actually get to know God on an intimate level. An opportunity that 2,000 years ago, before Jesus Christ came down, we might not have had otherwise. We now get this awesome, unique opportunity in which we get to know God on an intimate level, and it was a part of his plan because he wanted to get to know us on an intimate level. Turning your Bibles to Colossians 3 tonight. All right, we'll be here for the, the night so you can leave your Bibles open to it. Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. All right. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, or be devoted to things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, or be devoted to things above. Not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Without devotion to God, you are just simply practicing the rituals. The definition of devotion is love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. See, we must devote ourselves to Christ above all else, not alongside all else. Our devotion to Christ needs to be first and foremost in our lives. As far as devotion goes, It should line up, number one, God, and then number two, personal relationship or uh, close, intimate relationships. You know, number three, work, whatever your devotions are, number one needs to always be God. 
and it always needs to actually revolve around your life, not just something you do first thing in the morning when you wake up, and then the rest of your day you just go about and you never think about God the rest of the day, and you never talk to God, and you never listen to God. No, your devotion to God needs to be 24 hours a day. Your dreams need to be available to God to be talking to you. If God wakes you up in the middle of the night, you don't just roll over and fall back asleep. You ask God, God, why did you wake me up? What's going on? What, what would you like to talk to me about right now? Because if it's urgent enough that he wakes you up, there's probably a reason for it. Because without devotion to Christ, without a true devotion to Christ, without true love for Christ, our relationship with him becomes more about behavior modification and not about an intimate relationship. Your walk with Christ is not behavior modification. And if that's all it is, it's just a, a list of things you can and cannot do, and it's just you always fighting a sin, and you're just stuck in this behavior modification, you might need to go back and make sure that your devotion to Christ is first and foremost, and your behavior modification comes second. Because being changed by religion is, is not the same thing as being changed by the Holy Spirit. Because religion is the set list of do's and don'ts. Being changed by the Holy Spirit is literally nothing to do with you, and it all has to do with God. And so being changed by religion is a, you usually feel shame and, and uh, a bitterness towards your sin. When you're going through a religion and a religious experience with God, you usually get stuck somewhere along the line with shame and guilt and not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. If your relationship with God and the first thing you think about when you think of God is the guilt and is the shame and is the whatever, then you're being led by a religious experience and not the Holy Spirit. If you're constantly worried about whether you're measuring up same thing applies. If how close you feel to God completely hinges on the religious obligations that you've set forward in your life, you will never, ever truly be intimate with God. If whether or not you remember to read your Bible in the morning is a ritualistic experience, you can find out because if you forget, all of a sudden everything in your life doesn't make sense because you're so ashamed of not getting a chance to read the Bible or not getting a chance to pray at that point in time, and the guilt takes over. A true relationship with God is if you accidentally forget to do something, you make up for it. You're like, hey, God, I just remembered this. I want to spend some time with you. I want to be in a relationship with you right now. And you're not, you don't feel guilt-ridden because you forgot to do something or because you screwed up. If every time that you... If every time that you screw up or something goes wrong in your life or uh, something bad happens in your life, you get extremely angry at God, you might need to check your devotion. You know, I, all of you guys probably know that you know, I lost my mom um, a month and a half ago. And as hard as it was and as broken as I am from that, I haven't been mad at God. You can be broken and your life can be in, in, in a mess at the point in time you're in and still retain your passion for Christ. And so even though life sucks for me, you know, life sucked really bad in that moment, even though everything just didn't quite make sense, 
And I didn't understand why God didn't heal my mom, even though he had healed her from pain a year before. Even though everything else that was going on in our lives, and as you guys know, two days after my mom died, we totaled our car, almost totaled our car, hitting a deer. And, and it was just chaos. And as, as hectic as that was and as life-changing as that was and how much of a pillar in my life my mom was, my foundation was still on Jesus Christ. And so I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't angry at God. You know, my relationship with him was rough there for a little while just because it was tough to get intimate because of the, the things that had happened. But my um, passion for Christ never faltered. And so in your life, if every time something goes wrong or every time a pillar that you've built on that foundation goes missing or, or, or falls out from underneath you, if every time that happens you find yourself on the ground with no rock underneath you, it's time to check your devotional. Make sure you're devoted, for, devoted to Christ for the right reasons and in the right attitude. And so going back to verse 3, it says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so, I mean, really, your life and God shouldn't be able to be separated. Your life should involve God so much that you can't separate the two. There isn't a time in which you go to work in which God isn't present. There isn't a time in which you go to the gym and God isn't present. There isn't a time in which you go to sleep at night and God isn't present. Your entire life should be so closely intertwined with God that you cannot separate the two. And if you can, like I said, check your devotion. Make sure that you're at the right starting point. Make sure that the foundation is built the right way in Christ. And then going back to the friendship part of it too, the fellowship, the, the brothers in Christ part of it. If every time somebody offends you, and kind of going back to the last week's sermon, if every time somebody offends you or every time there's drama around a certain person involved in your life, if every time that happens, your anger for them and your... Um, your, uh, yeah, your, your anger for them, your, your amount that they upset you just goes off every time they screw up and you just immediately hate this person, then you might want to check your devotions because there's a chance that you're putting too much of your uh, time and energy into that person as far as what they do shouldn't wreck you. You need to be able to forgive them. You need to be able to move past offenses. An offense shouldn't change your life in a way in which oftentimes we allow it. Because Christ asks us to forgive, not seven times, but seven times 77. You should be able to be fluid in your forgiveness and your understanding and your love and your passion and your devotion for each other. Because if every time somebody screws up in your life or every time somebody falls or every time somebody sins or every time somebody may sin, might sin against you, if you immediately respond with anger and hatred towards them, then you need to check your devotion and make sure that your relationship was a little bit of was a give and take relationship, was a loving relationship and not a relationship in which you took a lot more than you ever gave. Because oftentimes that's when we're the hurt the most by somebody is when we've been involved in a little too much taking in that relationship. And so let's continue verse 5. Put to death, therefore, 
whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all, the, of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So it's important to remember moving on and, and continuing in our, our process of devotion and to make it a little more lighthearted. So how do we devote ourselves to Christ? And so when we're remembering devotion and we're looking at this scripture and keeping this scripture in mind, and I'm telling you, you might need to check your devotion. And tonight, if even a hint of your walk with Christ, you're kind of sitting there going, maybe I need to check my devotion. And I'll be honest with you guys, I, I even told Courtney this, actually, she, um, we were having a conversation after she read this sermon. I'm preaching this sermon to myself. And so you guys are just getting to listen to me preach to myself. Because this is stuff that I constantly need to remember, and I constantly need to work on, and I need to keep in mind. And so the way you stay devoted to God in the right way, and the way that you have that proper devotion to God It simply comes to this. First and foremost, you need to set your eyes on Christ. In the order of this scripture, it goes in order and it says, first and foremost, keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your devotion on Christ. Make sure you're looking at Christ. Make sure you're spending time with Christ. Make sure you're actually involved in, in furthering your relationship with Christ. That your relationship with Christ isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card that you were handed one time at church, and that's the furthest your relationship ever got. You need to make sure that daily your relationship is being furthered. And the reason why is, if you think about it this way, and I've heard it this way before, if I go wake up in the morning and I go work out, and I work out for two hours, and just have the greatest workout of my entire life, and then after my workout... I'm supposed to go eat lunch, but I forget to eat lunch, and I go to work, and I'm working all day, and I come here, and maybe I preach to you guys, and if you guys know me, preaching to you guys takes a lot of energy out of me, and then I get done preaching, and I forgot to eat dinner at the same time, and eventually I get home at around midnight, haven't eaten a single thing all day, and I walk into the room, and I walk into the kitchen, I'm, I'm trying to find something to eat, and right there, there's a pack of crackers. And I sit down with his pack of crackers and I start eating them. If I haven't eaten anything all day, I'm probably going to finish the pack of crackers eventually, right? You're just going to dominate those crackers. Those crackers are going to taste so good at the end of the day, aren't they? Well, if the same scenario happens, I go work out, forget to eat lunch, go to work, come here preach, forget to eat dinner, get home at midnight, haven't eaten anything all day, and I walk in and there's this juicy, medium-rare steak. And yes, medium-rare is the only way to cook a steak. If there is a medium-rare steak and a baked potato and it's nice and warm, it's got the, the glisten on it still, it's just beautiful. You know what I'm talking about, that steak that just, you, you practically can cut it with your fork. It's just been cooked so perfectly. 
that steak is amazing. And then right next to it is a pack of crackers. How many of those crackers am I going to eat? Not a one. I'm going to take the crackers and I'm going to politely place them in the trash because they have no place being anywhere near a piece of steak. And so obviously you've deduced that that pack of crackers is sin and the steak and the baked potato is Jesus Christ. And so when we keep our eyes focused on Christ and we spend time with Christ and we engage with Christ first and foremost and make it a major part of our lives, the sin becomes less appealing to us. It becomes easier to turn away from the sin. The sin is no longer this huge deal in which we're tempted to devour the entire package because it's there. If sin in your life is easy to to fall into and that temptation is easy to fall into, a lot of times, like I've been saying, you need to go back to your devotion and make sure you're looking at Jesus Christ first before you are tempted and before we engage in that. We need to keep our eyes first and foremost affixed on Jesus because then the sin is less appealing to us. Because there shouldn't be any room in our lives for drama, anger, malice, slander, because our devotion first and foremost is to Jesus Christ. Because we're so full of Jesus, we have, we've been filled up so much by the Holy Spirit that those things are no longer tempting us. Those things no longer have a place in our lives. Those things are no longer at the table. We have to be active in our faith too. We need to make sure that we are active in our faith and we are actively pursuing Jesus Christ. It's not just something where we're just, we knew Jesus and so we just kind of coast on that relationship. Maybe we're coming back from a concert or a, or a conference high and we're just going to coast on that, that meal we ate. That's not how it goes. We need to be actively pursuing Jesus Christ because otherwise, as time goes on, those temptations, those sins, that pack of crackers looks a little more tempting at the end of a long day, doesn't it? And so I need you guys to, to ask yourself and be serious in it. Honestly ask yourself daily, where is my devotion to Christ today? Where is my devotion at with Christ? Is today a day in which I need to spend a little bit more time with him? I need to, to spend, you know, instead of taking this hour to go and go for a walk, do I need to spend that hour with Christ? How is your devotion doing today? Have you ever seen those videos of the, those guys that they'll like drive up to the state park or something up in South Dakota and they'll come up to a buffalo and they'll get out and they'll go up to the buffalo and try to take like selfies with it and then the buffalo like freaks out on them. You ever seen those videos? Sometimes I, uh, I find myself um, sympathizing and empathizing with the animal and I, I like kind of cheer for the animal a little bit. I know that sounds horrible, but for real, it's like the guy goes up and like in the interview afterwards, he's like, well, I just gave a pack of cookies to a donkey and it seemed docile, so I figured that the buffalo was, and so I went up and I figured I could take a selfie with it, and it, man, it freaked out on me. No, it's a buffalo. It acted exactly like a buffalo is going to act. 
you're the idiot who decided you wanted to take a selfie with the buffalo. The buffalo did nothing out of character. But sometimes in our walk with Christ and with sin, we treat sin just the same way as they treat the buffalo. We leave it in our lives because, hey, maybe we handled it yesterday. Maybe we handled it the day before. We leave that temptation in our house. And then we're surprised when the buffalo freaks out and wrecks our world. You have to flee tempt- <clears throat> Excuse me, temptation. You need to flee sin. It has no place in your life. Seriously, why would you mess with a buffalo? It has horns. Like, I don't know. It's like, hey, this tiger has giant teeth. I'm going to go and make it a pet cat. Because for real, like, I don't know, Reuben, if I set some tacos in front of you, you might not eat them right now, but given enough time, you're going to devour those things, right? He doesn't sound too enthused. If you put tacos in front of me, That's true. What's that say about your life with sin? Just kidding. But for real, how close do we have to dance on the line before we realize that sin doesn't change? Satan doesn't change. He acts the exact same as he did right after a conference as he does five months away from a conference. He acts the exact same the day you gave your life to Christ is 10 months from now. The closer you get to Christ, the more he wants to interfere with it. The more you're reaching out to new people and sharing the gospel, the more he wants to falter those plans. And so the more that you dance with temptation, the more that you try to go up to the buffalo and take a picture, the more that you have that pack of crackers sitting in front of you, eventually, given enough time without spending time with Jesus Christ first and foremost, we are going to fall into that temptation and that buffalo is going to go crazy, and we're going to devour the pack of crackers and the tacos. Get enough imagery and what sin looks like today? I kind of wanted that. Because we need to be self-aware. And that one is the hardest thing that I've seen for Christians to do is to be self-aware. You need to be self-aware and growing in your awareness for how likely you are to fall into certain temptations and certain sin. You have to be self-aware. Because I might not fall into the same temptations as Reuben did, because my history is a lot different than his was. He grew up in a Christian home with a dad as a pastor. I grew up in a home that kind of went to church and wasn't Christian. He came to college and immediately got involved in Chi Alpha within the first semester, right? I came to college and immediately got involved with girls and alcohol. He's a junior, and he's, well, I guess by my junior year I was saved, but still, just kind of think about it. The temptations he has are not the same temptations I have. I'm not going to go down to a, a party and start drinking beer because, you know, hey, I'm good. The same temptations aren't the same for everybody. You have to be self-aware as to what you are tempted to, what sins are involved in your life. What are you likely to fall into? What are the patterns? What happens before and afterhand? You know, are you likely to fall into a temptation five minutes after you get to the gym? If you are, stop going to the gym for a while. 
make sure that you get your relationship with Christ and make sure that it is first and foremost in your life and you keep your eyes affixed to him. If every time you hang out with that certain person, five minutes later you're gossiping, you might need to take a break from that certain person. If every time you watch a certain TV show, five minutes later, you're thinking about murdering somebody. I know that's extreme, but it puts a good picture in your brain. If every time you get done doing this, you fall into a temptation or a sin or a habit, you need to be self-aware and you need to be preventative with your actions in that. You need to make sure that before you hang out with that person or before that person's ever around you, that you spent time with God first and foremost. And then maybe you might not fall into that temptation. And then if you still do, like I said, you need to take a break. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Verse 5. Because God has given you the tools. He wouldn't say put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He wouldn't tell us to do that if he wasn't giving us a means in which to do it. God has given you the tools to put to death whatever your earthly nature is. Because sometimes sin in our lives and the devil likes to mimic Jesus Christ in our lives. He'll begin mimicking it, and it'll begin feeling right. It'll begin feeling good, and you find yourself getting sucked in, and you find yourself involved in the plot. And the way I like to picture it is Satan likes to present us with these cheesy sci-fi movies. Have you ever watched a cheesy sci-fi movie? They're amazing. They're so cheesy. But you find yourself watching a cheesy sci-fi movie called The Retaliators, and it's a tale about lead man and the commander USA fighting an alien race. Yeah, it's almost the Avengers, but it's not quite. And it is not even close to as good. Sin often mimics that in our lives. It'll feel good. It'll look all right. But then at the end of the movie, you're just sitting there going, what the heck was that? You know what I'm talking about. So let's break it down. Let's go back to devotion. Let's seriously talk about devotion and seriously figure out what devotion means for us and what it looks like for us. Because I want to leave it this way. God delights in you. God loves you. God passionately is seeking after you. There is nothing that prevents, nothing that could prevent God from loving us. If even for a second you feel like God hates you or God doesn't maybe love you as much as the person next to you or God's just mad at you and he's just smiting you and he's going to smite you till the end of the day, until the end of your life, that thought, you need to get it out of your head because God loves you. He passionately loves you. God is devoted to you. If God wasn't devoted to you, would he have sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross? And so our devotion, we need to mimic God's devotion for us in both our devotion back to him and our devotion to one another. Our devotion needs to mimic Christ because there's nothing else on this earth worth mimicking. And the world does a good job at putting these sci-fi movies in front of you. These false relationships, this temptation of money, 
the temptation of a good job with a, a nice house and a nice car and an easy, stress-free life in which nothing ever goes wrong. Yeah, that might seem like a good movie, but halfway through it, you're going to realize that it is just lost and empty. Because without a passion and a devotion for Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how nice your house is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter the, the things of the world that, that American uh, civilization tells us we need to have in our lives. It doesn't matter how much of that you have in your life. You're going to be left feeling empty and worthless, and you're going to feel like God hates you. And so it is about a relationship with God. Yeah, you might get a nice house. You might have a nice car. I say might. You might have a nice car. You might have a nice house with a picket fence and a good job in which you don't have to worry about money. But probably not. Because a relationship with Christ promises us persecution. It promises us hardship. It promises us everything that's going to happen in life with or without Christ. But Jesus Christ says he's going to help us get through it. Jesus Christ says, when you are devoted to me, these problems that come, these hardships, these burdens that happen are going to affect you in a different way. They're no longer going to devastate you. They're no longer going to make you want to commit suicide. They're no longer going to set you depressed and feeling worthless and hated. Because when we're devoted to Christ, we understand that the things of this world are temporary. And the love that we receive from Jesus Christ and the relationship we have with him and the eternity we we get to have in heaven is eternal and is significantly more important than the things that the world can promise us temporarily while we're here. And so if you've given your life to Christ, you've been made new. You are clean. When God looks at you, he sees you without blemish. If you have devoted yourself to Jesus Christ and you've given yourself to Christ and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you are made new. It's time for us to believe it and to walk in it. It's time for us to receive it, and it's time for us to be devoted to Christ in response. Because if we could love each other, and if we could love God even a fragment of the way that he loves us, man, your life will never be the same. So maybe you're sitting in here and you're getting convicted of some sin. Maybe you're sitting in here and you're saying, man, I just need to get better at reading my Bible. Maybe I need to get better at at sharing the gospel. Maybe I need to get better at listening to Jesus Christ. Maybe some of the things I'm saying here are convicting you. There's a few things that you're saying that you need to work on for your relationship with Christ. This little list you're starting to create of things you need to check off. This this sin that you just need to get out of your life. This this one burden that's just holding you back and, and preventing you from going to Jesus Christ. This one little thing. I want to promise you, and I want to have a conversation, or not a conversation, I, I want to make a statement because if you're already creating a checklist in your mind of things you need to do in order to get closer to Jesus Christ, then you've missed the entirety of this sermon. 
Because if you're feeling convicted about something, it's okay to feel convicted. But if immediately you're starting to create a checklist that you've got to check off in order to feel loved by God, you've missed the entirety of what I'm saying. I'm saying God loves you no matter what your blemish is, no matter what your screw-up, no matter what's on that checklist, God loves you. He passionately loves you. He has a passion for you, and he is devoted to you, and he is devoted to your future, and he wants to have a part in creating that future with you. And so when you leave here tonight, it's not about creating a checklist and getting back close to God. It is about just getting back close to God. It's about loving God and working and, and wanting to love him and wanting to be devoted to him and acting out on that first and foremost. And then if God convicts you and has you do something, yes, but make sure that you're looking to Christ first and foremost before you're looking at a checklist. And so tonight, we're going to have a chance. So Reuben, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, the whole worship team, to come back up. And we're going to sing that last worship song again. And so we're going to get an opportunity to worship, not thinking about anything else, not thinking about the sin that you might have committed, not thinking about the relationship that isn't happening, not thinking about this that you're mad at or this person you're having a problem with or whoever's upset you today or whatever you came in here, that burden you came in here with, I'm asking you to just drop it off. Let it go. Seriously. Like, let it go. Do not let it burden you. And then we're going to have one more opportunity to worship unhinged with true devotion to Christ. And we're going to sing to God as if you know for a matter of fact he's standing right in front of you listening. Take it away, worship team.
John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and to have it to the full. Verse 14 says, Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep and he knows them well. And so tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to. Tonight, don't leave this room without talking to somebody, talking to one of the people up on worship, talking to my wife or me, talking to one of the other small group leaders. And they will lead you in accepting Christ and to giving your life to Christ. You need to know Jesus Christ. And if you know Jesus Christ, you need to know and you need to make sure that you embed it deep into your core to know that Jesus Christ loves you passionately. He adores you. He wants the best for you. And our response is to put our foundation in Him. Our response is to to devote our lives to Him. Our response is to have our entire lives given over to Him. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit works things out and you don't even plan it. I didn't even necessarily plan on having the whole worship team come up here. I thought about it. I thought maybe it was going to happen. I had no clue what song Reuben was singing. And even when I sat here and I said, you know what, I'm going to have the worship team come up here and they're going to sing the last song they sang. I couldn't even remember what the last song was. But the Holy Spirit played it together. And so it just confirms that we need to give our everything to Christ and nothing less. And I'm going to reiterate a point I made during my sermon that every aspect of your life, your work, your homework, your school, your classwork, your church, your sleep, your Netflix time, your Facebook time, every aspect of your life should be so intertwined with Christ that you can't possibly separate it. Because it's about time that Christ's church starts acting like it. It's up to us. It's up to you. You are the body of Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity on a day called Valentine's Day. A day that is about love. we get the opportunity to come here and we get to hear about how much you love us. So I pray for every single student here that, man, if they came in here feeling unloved, I pray that you would not let them pass through those doors without feeling loved. I pray that every single student here and every single student not here would feel your love tonight. that they would know how much you devote yourself to us. And so, Lord, I pray for these students that as they leave here, 
they could devote every aspect of their life to you. That there wouldn't be a separate area where church is and the rest of their life is. That it wouldn't just be about Tuesday nights or Sunday mornings and everything else is separate. Lord, that you are involved in their lives every single day of the week and they put you first. So Lord, I just ask that you would encourage us. Show us people to begin reaching out to. Show us people to show that love to. We could begin loving others the way that you love us. We could begin loving others the way that you command us to love. And at the same time that we could love each other within this room the way you command us. leave here tonight devoted. So it's in your name that we pray and it's for your glory we pray. Amen. So tonight as you guys leave here, hug someone. Make sure you make sure that nobody leaves here feeling unknown.